add a bit of sunshine to your home with Easy Living Furniture's Garden Furniture Sale with stunning dining sets, cracking egg chairs and relaxing sun loungers that are in stock and ready for delivery there really is something for everyone and with an extra 10% off sale prices and free delivery over 399 now really is the time to let your garden shine Garden Sale now on Visit Easy Living Furniture Don't miss out Find your local store online at easylivingfurniture.ie Leia Healthcare It's good to live Proud sponsor of the Real Health Podcast with Carl Henry Welcome to the Real Health Podcast with me, Carl Henry Every single week we'll do interviews with guests and the very simple tips tricks and tools that you need to live a healthier lifestyle. On this week's show, we're doing a health check SOS, checking the health of men and women all around Ireland, telling you what you can do to ensure you're in the very best health possible. We have the country's favourite doctor turned radio presenter, Dr. Kira Kelly in studio. Kira, welcome to the Real Health Podcast. Thank you very much, Carl. Thank you for coming in. How are you? I'm really good. I, I'm, yeah, I'm really good. Busy day so far? Busy day. Uh, I've been on air. Um, that's my normal, my new normal now. So I, I get up and I head into news talk first thing and then do all the kind of pre-production stuff you'd be very familiar with now doing podcasts. And uh, then we do two hours of live radio, which kind of can be a little bit like roller coastery, a little bit of high octane sort yeah, of stuff yeah, of sometimes. Um, yeah, but it's great. You know, you I love feel, it. I feel so lucky. Yeah, I know. I actually really genuinely I was saying before when I got the gig, first of all, that I felt like I'd won the lotto. But it's kind of better than the lotto because the lotto would give me money, but it wouldn't um, it wouldn't give me something I wanted to do all day, every day. And that's what I really value about this. I, I enjoy how I spend my time. And was that always the goal? Was being a radio presenter always the, the plan of action or the, the goal to get towards? It certainly wasn't the goal back in the day in medical school or back in the day when I was qualifying as a GP or back in the day then. Um, then my, my goal was I suppose to qualify and to work and to have my own practice and those things. Um, and I kind of fell into the media more or less by accident. So what was your first what was your first media gig? My first media gig was actually in for this building here. Um, I wrote an article for the Sunday Independent. Um, the only reason I did was because I had no media training and no journalistic anything was because I was a doctor. And then, like now, there was problems in the health service. And uh, one of the mums in my kids' schools, who was a journalist for the Sunday Independent, said, you should write something for the paper as a doctor. And I thought, why would they want me to write something in the paper? But um, I didn't really realise that there was any kind of level of of expertise you would have as a doctor that people would want to hear, because I'd never considered given my opinion on it which is surprising to people now but I had never considered at that point giving my opinion on anything and but I ended up between the jigs and the reels uh, sort of doing it writing a piece for the paper and I kind of thought that would be a nice kind of footnote to my life oh I wrote in the paper one time and that you know when I was an old granny looking back I'd say guess what you know I once wrote in the national press um but it kind of it kind of spawned other things it's like throwing a pebble into the pond and the ripples come out and you don't know where those ripples will go or where they'll take you or whether you'll go with those ripples. Um, and I was lucky enough to be asked to write a few more things then. And from then, I just did other little bits of radio and other little bits of telly. And here we are today. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. It was it was a kind of an organic thing. I didn't I didn't see it coming. But once I kind of found... Yeah, once you got a taste for Yeah, it. once I got a taste for radio in particular, um, as much as I do enjoy writing, um, I would actually say that's the way it goes for me, radio print 
telly, which is, I know you and I work together on the telly, <laughs> but I actually find telly the hardest bit to do. Yeah. Um, radio has a lovely, even, get, you know, um, this is, you know, this is the sixth episode of the podcast that I've done and I love it. I, 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 I can't describe how much I love it. I love it so much. It's very, it's so different to anything else. And I've done lots of radio before. You know, I've, you know, been on your show yeah, yeah, lots yeah. of times. I'm feeling massive pressure having you in here today, but however, uh, but no there pressure. is a, there's a lovely, it, there's just a lovely sense of, it's just lovely. It's so nice. You do your homework, you put, you put the work in, no one sees that bit, but that's cool. And then, you know, it's just something fantastic about it. Um, talk to me about every guest we have, and I like to get to know them a little bit better and their listeners get to know them a little bit better. In terms of health, then, chat health to me over the last couple of years. What do you do? You know, do you swim? Do you walk? Do you cycle? Or, you know, how does, how does I, health grab you? Or how do you, and how I do you have gone life? mostly over the last period of time. I had been running a good bit over the previous number of years. But I'd had, and, I th- I, and you know, let's be straight. I'm sure it's a function of age. You know, I'm in my later 40s now. And I just had a birthday there a couple of days ago. So Yay. I'm conscious of that at the moment. And I found when I ran any kind of distance at all above about 3K, you know, I was vulnerable to the pulling an Achilles or my knees starting to hurt or my lower back. All these aches and pains started to happen. And I became conscious that particularly if I run for any length, that, that I could end up and I have ended up with an injury that's knocked me out for weeks. And I did both Achilles over a period of about a year for months at a time. That they It's resp- impressive both. Well, one and then the other. Oh, yeah, but like that's... Probably wrong shoes or something. But in any case... The only thing, and I did all the physio and the anti-inflammatories and the stretching and the everything, but I still ended up out of action for a considerable period of time. Mm-hmm. And I realised that as you do get a little bit older, some of the best exercise you can do is a bit of brisk walking. And it's also yeah. so enjoyable. I actually really do like it. Um, and then you had a big moment on Twitter. Oh, yeah. <laughs> what? Another one. Yeah, 100 days of walking, which was kind of which a... Which was huge. Well, it was me sitting there on New Year's Eve going, what am I going to do? What am I going to do this year you know what I mean in terms of uh trying to you know focus a little bit more and all that kind of stuff and, and I, I had a brainwave where I was like, I'm gonna try 100 days of walking which is you know walking for at least half an hour a day it could be longer obviously and some days it certainly was but that you would try and hit the 30 minutes because you can shoehorn 30 minutes in almost yeah, every it'll day it'll fit into anyone's schedule irrespective yeah. yeah exactly and the thing is you don't have to travel anywhere to do it you don't have to you know, get to the gym or get to the pool or do any of those things. You can literally put on your runners and go out and do it from your front door. So it puts the impact of it. And I suppose that's the learning curve. Just listening to your chat there is the fact that as the body got a little bit older, the impact was was the problem. It was the impact of running up yeah. through the joints on the muscles, on, on, the, on the back. And that walking was the same benefit, pretty much. And uh, without the impact for yeah. the hardness of it. And the interesting thing was I've spoken to lots of people, like other people actually who work again in this building, like people like John Green. A lot of people have moved, even some of them very reluctantly away from running or cycling or stuff that had a little bit of pressure on their bodies the way that they found it harder to, to sort of keep up with, have moved towards a kind of a movement in terms of walking. And I get that. I suppose what's really been interesting to me, though, in terms of health this year was I had for the first time ever in in my life, I had a bit of a health scare. So I was in hospital for a week about, I don't know, a month or two ago. And actually that buggered up 100 days of walking a little bit because not only could I obviously not walk when I was in hospital, but when I came out of hospital, I wasn't I had to kind of recuperate for a, a few weeks. So I have had to it's not quite finished the 100 days of walking, even though it was supposed to be finished last week. I've had to postpone mm-hmm. some of it 
simply because I, you know, and, and, and it's all a minor thing when you hear about some of the things people go through, because obviously currently what's, you know, raging is all sorts of stuff. Recently, anyway, what's been raging is stuff about cervical screening and all that kind of stuff is very big health news. But I had a kind of a run of the mill sort of a, a, a thing to do with headaches and blood pressures and all those kinds of very middle aged things. But it really did make me kind of go a few things. One is your health. There's nothing as important as health. Because you, you loved and I've known you We'll probably go back now at this stage, maybe four years, five years. I think it's five. It's around that. Yeah. And you've always struck me as someone who loves what they do who's probably addicted to what they do. Could be. And who, workaholic is, would be up there, there about. I work a lot. You do. And I, I like it. So, so that's something. And so was, was the health scare then a big shock in terms of, whoa, total shock. Not I only, have to balance this out. Not only was it a shock because I actually went into work one day and had to leave work, having gone in thinking I, I was going to do the day's work and realised after I got there that actually I was not going to do the day's work and actually was admitted to hospital about an hour after I left the building. I love uh, how it's gone from like a minor health <laughs> thing to admitted to hospital. <laughs> I know where the story's going. Like your, your, your version of that uh, was very minor. Most was... people, most men listening to this podcast will call a sniffle a minor health scare or a man flu a minor health minor health company. Yeah, uh, but like your version of minor is so different to everybody. Yeah, <laughs> everybody you know what? And, and, and I was, and I, you know what? And there was an element of that. I had had, I had had some kind of bad headaches and, and I didn't really do anything about them. And then I was thinking I should do something about them. And then, but I had a load of stuff to do. And I, it is, that sounds very workaholic. <laughs> I, I'm, like there's a um, there's an episode of Friends where they go into alternate realities and Phoebe is like a workaholic and, in, in, you know, buy, buy, sell. And I, so I see some of that in me. But anyway, I did end up in hospital. But it made me do a couple of things. It made me go, good Lord, there's nothing as important as health. And I think mm-hmm. we should all bear that in mind because when your health is in some way vulnerable, you recognise that it just automatically goes to the top of the pile in terms of priorities, but maybe the rest of the time it isn't at the top of the pile. We take it for granted. Yeah, I think we totally do. So there is that. But it also made me think as well that, which doesn't, which is the opposite in a way, that life is very short. You don't know how long any of us have. And any of us, when you kind of get that kind of bit of a land about your health, you kind of go, what if this was worse? What if something did happen to me? Or what if, you know, how do I want my life to be? Where do I want to be at? What do I want to do? And, you know, I, I'm I'm there with the likes of Hedy Lamar and people like that who say, do everything, try everything, join everything. Mm-hmm. And I guess that contributes to being a bit of a workaholic because I kind of enthusiastically throw myself into you're all sorts of stuff. You're talking yourself back into being a workaholic again now. <laughs> there know. was me giving you the outro. I know, but, but I... I suppose it, it, what you're chatting about ties into one of my previous episodes where we had the Inspirational Men episode and they all talked about triggers for health about to get in shape and to get fit and so on and so forth. Where yours is very much a trigger for life in some respects and in terms of taking away the fear, which I think we get we get scared as we get a bit older about uncertainty and about change and about things adapting. Mm. I think our listeners will definitely be going, you know, going through that because it's the comfort zone of like, it's grand. I have my job and it's grand and it's all wonderful. I suppose you would have had that in the fact that you had your GP surgery. You had all the other stuff on the side and it was all a bit bonkers and, and then all of a sudden you got a chance to do something that you loved and you took a risk. I think people taking risks um, as they get a, bit, a little bit older are less and less and less. I think mm. maybe your health care seems to have given you a sense of, I'm going to just go for it. I'm a weirdo. If I want to do it, I go for it. I, I, I'm not as put out by change as a lot of people are. And I don't know why that is. Um, I, I guess it's just different personalities. And lots of people sort of say, but 
didn't you own your own practice and couldn't you have worked there, you know, with nice income, nice conditions, nice job till you were 70 and all that? Why? Why would you do something that's scary and and transient? Because you go from owning a business, which I had to remove myself from because I couldn't do both, to taking a temporary contract somewhere because that's mm-hmm. how the media is. You get a contract for a few years here, a contract for a few years there. But I knew what spurred me to do it was that, and this was the big one, that I would regret it if I didn't. If I was still sitting in the GP surgery, happy and all as I was in that job, it wasn't that I left it because I didn't like it. I left it because I thought I would regret not trying at any age doing something that I thought potentially I was going to really love doing. And it turns out I was right. (laughs) So I do love doing it. But I think, you know, we can let our fear of failure or sometimes even our fear of success or our fear of all sorts of things be as an obstacle to trying something. Mm -hmm. But ultimately, I suppose I have a, a lucky position, which is that I am still a doctor. And if I need to go cap in hand back to the medical profession and say, uh, excuse me, can I please start seeing patients again? Um, I'm hoping that they'll have me. But I, even if this is only for a year or two, which it could easily be, um, I still wanted to do it and I knew I'd regret if I didn't. Well, I'm sure that everyone listening in um, will have some fear or some decision that they may shy away from. And I think your story is is one that will hopefully motivate them to to, to give it a go. Um, as a job, as a what we do as a job, I do the job in terms of my personal training components of our, of my work, and in some respects, my corporate end of what I do, it's getting people to believe and getting people to to take that step and give them the support to make it happen. Be it a five k or be it weight loss or be it whatever. You know, that's it's all about getting people out of their comfort zone a little bit and just pushing them on a bit. Um, on a bigger level, let's stay with the fear thing. Uh, health of the nation. Mm. What are your fears? What are your concerns? I, is it weight? Is that still the big? Is that still the big? You thing? know, I think it is because I think when you look at what weight does, the big killer in this country is still heart disease. The killer after that is cancer, and and weight is implicated in both of those things. Um, and when you look at the figures, they're moving, irrespective of the rate in which they're moving, they're moving in the wrong direction. Um, and we, despite the fact that we have a movement inspired largely by people like yourself getting out in their, you know, running gear and you see people all around you doing active things, you think this is good. It helps become trendy, I think. It has a huge, become it's, trendy. It's, it's in lots of different ways, some positive, and I think the operation transformation effect of the community getting walking and running and a bit of resistance work and working together is all brilliant. And I think that's health. I think the obsession components of what we're seeing now with the younger generation coming through, those in their 20s. Um, we had a guest on about a week ago chatting to us kind of about his own social um, networking. He said, well, health is the, the kind of the thing. You know, that's just yeah, what everyone yeah. does now. When I was in my 20s, that never happened. Because nobody was going, no one wanted to be healthy at all. But I think there's an obsession driven through social media mm-hmm. that has created a negative side of health through influencers and through unqualified advice and the kind of the, the opinionated uh, influencers if you like yeah little knowledge is a dangerous thing um, and there is a problem with some of that the orthorexia the the obsessive exercising you know and the, the corresponding the perfectionism the feeling of inadequacy the mental health knock on there are issues having said that that's the issues of people who overwork out mm-hmm. and overtrain and over control their food and overdo all that yeah, it's another there's obsession a, there's it's a taking... massive amount of people that 
do the complete opposite and sit yeah. and eat crisps in front of the telly all the time. That's another issue. Um, they're both issues. But and it's trying to find a balance yeah. in between that. Yeah. Like, in, like you were saying, like the, in terms of the concerns and the killers, it's heart disease, the stroke risk factors. Yeah. Um, all and cancers all have a link to a high BMI, a high waistline. Mm-hmm. Um, and by getting healthier, we're trying to lower the risk factors. Leia Healthcare. It's good to live. Proud sponsor of the Real Health Podcast with Carl Henry. If people are pulling their advice from somewhere, and if it is online, what what are they looking out for? What where should they be taking the advice from? That's a good. That's a really good question. There's some good websites, okay, and and there's so many bad websites. But I would always go to something like patient.co.uk because that is a proper website. It's a bit okay. like. And it's quite user friendly. So it's a little bit like Wikipedia or something because it's nicely detailed. It has different headings. And it's, and it's not like, Google Doc. It's not Google Doc. <laughs> it's Dr. Google. Dr. Google is very dramatic. Everyone dies in terms of what Dr. Google would tell you. Um, I find patient.co.uk really good. Really okay, good. So patient.co.uk. And if you need UK. something detailed, suppose you've got something weird and wonderful and you're looking for proper things, I would go on to something like PubMed. Oh, yeah. Uh, I'd go on to the Cochrane Library. I'd go on to those really good. Or I would use the Harvard uh, Medical Patient websites, those ones are really good. But if you're going onto these weird, you know, edgy oh. websites that no one have ever heard of, you get lots of tinfoil hats. You get lots of anti-vax stuff. You get lots of conspiracy theories about big pharma and yeah. you get lots of stuff that actually clouds issues for people and confuses them and all that kind of stuff. I, so I, I think I'd steer away from that. I think Twitter is a massive platform for that. More oh, God, so yeah. because it's that with an opinion. And it's selling something. So it's making something seem really easy or really doable or it's going to be a quick fix for cancer or a quick fix for whatever. I think Facebook's even worse. But I, but I agree with you, the social media platforms, they're not regulated in any kind of way. You can stick anything up and everybody's an expert. And I think that is a problem. But to me, when I look at stats like that, you know, at least sort of moving towards half of all cancers could be prevented with lifestyle change. That's massive. Do you know mm. what I mean? And it may be that it's e- we'll find out in time it's even more. So because of people drinking or smoking or being overweight or not exercising or eating the wrong foods as much yeah. as too much of foods, you will see things like cancers happening in people that didn't need to have cancer because it, they mm-hmm. weren't genetically predisposed to it or, or those type, which are kind of... I always say to people in, in all the talks I give, what are the two biggest risk factors for your health? And they always go diet, exercise. And I go, no, no, no. And it's true. It's your age and your genes, neither of which you can control, <laughs> neither of which. But that makes it all the more important to control the modifiable yeah. stuff that you can control. And you can age healthier would be the one sense of control. Your genetic components, your well, whatever you have, you have. Down yeah. the line, that may change because we have much more gene therapies coming on board and all that. But currently, you're dealt a set of cards and you have to just live with them <laughs> largely. And you can't do anything about age, irrespective of what you might do with Botox or hair dye or th- those types of things yeah. the body is the age the body is and in terms of lifestyle factors so in terms of getting healthy which you know pull advice back in there for the listeners in terms of the interviews the fact that so the obvious one is exercise yeah fit in around your day uh, work slightly intensively so you're getting slightly out of breath again people who read my column or you know listen to the podcast will know that's a big thing for me it's getting that little bit out of breath yeah um, making it fun is uh, one of the key tips that came from we had you would have loved um, the last week's one we had Killian Byrne in and we had David Cryan from OT and we had another younger guy in and they all it was fascinating so um, Isaac was in his 20s uh, David was in his 30s and Killian was in his 40s and despite there was a 25 26 year age gap actually when you got down to the nitty gritty of it their advice was pretty much the same which was like you know there needs to be a trigger point 
So whether your GP flags it with you, you're overweight or whatever it may be, uh, it needs to be fun and it needs to be balanced. Yeah. And if you can, those three things, chances are, and you have a goal to work towards, chances are you'll stay healthier in the long run. It was it was amazing to see the three of them, despite the age bracket, saying the very same yeah. thing about their fun results. Fun and balance make it sustainable. You know, for the likes of me, I like to listen to music or sometimes I will listen to podcasts or occasionally I'll listen to kind of audio books or whatever. So I like to listen to something mm -hmm. so that, I'm not usually thinking about what I'm doing when I'm exercising. I'm literally zoning out into something else. And I also have a real always desire for some reason, and I'm lucky enough to live near the sea, but to be beside the sea. So if I'm running, if I'm it's walking, I, think, I like to be beside the sea. And I think it's just like zoning into your own little world. You've got your headphones on, you're walking by the sea. It makes it something you actually want to do. And that's an important thing. A couple of weeks ago, um, we had the food medic in on one of the podcasts, Hazel Wallace. Um, really interesting because she was kind of the blogger influencer with a qualification. Yeah. Which was fascinating. Which is much different to most people. Because she was all about the science and she was all about, you know, researching and, and basically what her role was to interpret the research and make it readable for mm -hmm. the common person. I was actually quite quite impressed by, I suppose, by what she was trying to do. Um, one of the things we chatted about was about medicine and advice from your GP and from people in the medical profession um, becoming prescriptive health as part of the medicine. So, i.e. walk more yeah. or what, you know, so as opposed to just giving a, a tablet or a pill Absolutely. straight away, advising some measurable dietary and exercise guidelines. And you think that's the way health will go in the future? Yes, I think there's going to be a huge movement and it's already started in terms of prescribing exercise, for example, and saying, you know what you need to do. It falls back into that kind of idea of 23 and a half hours a day. The mm -hmm. idea that at least half an hour a day, you need to be moving. And when you think of it, half an hour in your day out of the 24 hours is sad all, isn't it? It's a tiny amount of the day, but it, it's 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 a game changer because if you really hit the the sort of the, the ground running for half an hour a day, you really do reduce your risk factors of all sorts of things and you, you help with your weight and you... you also, the big, huge thing that I always think that people forget is you really lift your mood. It has mm -hmm. really good med mental well, health. Your, your stress benefits, your mental health, <sighs> your mental mood health benefits would massive. all boost yeah. from the hormone rush that you get from the movement. So I think massive move towards prescribing medicine. And I also think that over time, medics and medicine in the same way society has become more interested in food and nutrition medicine is moving that way too so people are talking about healthy fats and people are talking about plant-based diets and people are talking about within the medical fraternity now about different aspects of but again science-based nutrition mm -hmm. it's not all I mean there are people who are within medicine proponents of you know low carb high fat and all that yep. kind of stuff there's all there's there's some debate about lots of that stuff but people are definitely looking at the idea of nutrition nutraceuticals and all those types of buzzwords are, are percolating throughout medicine as well as, you know, everywhere else, yeah. everywhere else you turn as well. OK, so you, I, I think it's a crucial component of it. And I think chatting to Hazel a couple of weeks back, she, the, the shock factor there was how little um, nutrition yeah. content was given through her training course. Now, that's beginning to change. And we had uh, Orla Walsh in recently as well. The fascinating, I asked her that lovely question that I know when we, we all chat and when Eva is with us on the panel that we always chat about it, uh, the difference between a nutritionist and a dietitian. And as much as I had vaguely known about it, when actually when order, she's like, look, at four and a half to six years, 
is for a dietitian. A nutritionist could be a one, two, three online course or whatever. And that's the main difference. Um, there are people who call themselves nutritionists who haven't done any course at all. Um, you know, people who just have an interest in it and start doling out advice. And, you know, or there are people who do weekend courses and all that kind of stuff because it's not a regulated mm-hmm. term. You and I, we talk about nutrition a lot. We could sort of say we were nutritionists. And, and there are ways of achieving a qualification in that, too, that really are very non-onerous, you yeah. know. And I think that is that is a concern to me. And it isn't about, I think it's important we point this out, it isn't about protectionism. It isn't about me saying, well, I'm a doctor, so I should be the only person yeah. allowed to give advice because I want all this, you know, business to be mine. The, the fear is about people giving not just unqualified, but wrong advice, false advice, bad advice. That's the real fear. And you see that. I see that myself all the time. I see people say, you should do this, you should do that. And the advice that they're giving to people, often sounding quite authoritative when they're doing it, is poor advice. It's mm-hmm. bad advice. And I always use this as a case in point here. Things like anti-vaccine rhetoric about, no, no, don't get a vaccine. Your child is, is made stronger by having measles or this kind of crazy thing. Uh, you, you hear that all the time, you know. And, and the truth of it is, is, your child has a significant risk. It may not be like one and two. It's much, much lower, but still has a risk of dying from contracting measles. We can give your kid a jab in the thigh that will stop them from getting measles and be perfectly safe. What planet do people live on that they think it's better for them to contract something that Mm. can make them go deaf, that can make them have brain injuries, that can make them die? Like, you know, so that's really bad advice. And that's given with great authority by people who actually know very little. And the key thing is to pull your advice from those who are qualified. Yeah. Uh, in some kind of network or controlled environment, such as, a, you know, a body of charter physiotherapists. Well, that's, that's the or, only way we have of knowing if yeah. somebody has uh, integrity, if somebody has a standard that they have to yeah. adhere to. And also to know if somebody has consequences. Because, for example, if I gave brutal advice mm-hmm. and started going like really off road and giving out wacky advice to people, there is the medical council that yeah. people can make a complaint to and the medical council then examine what I've said. And if what I've said is, is you know, gobbledygook or nonsense or whatever, there are sanctions. There mm-hmm. are sanctions over my practice. All that kind of stuff exists. If you're just... Where Joe shoot, blogs on Twitter saying, I think If you're shooting the breeze whatever. on Instagram, you, yeah, you yeah. don't have that. Um, I think just from chatting to you, and we, we know each other a long time, let's have a good chat to you like this, it's cool. Uh, for In terms of the listener, it's very much, look, find an exercise that's fun, fit it around your day, it'll improve your stress levels, that maybe the future for Kira Kelly will be a little bit more balanced somewhere along the line. If we pull you back in and chat to you next, this time next year, it and actually say, oh, is you know, a small bit more balanced <laughs> because because I, I stood down out of my practice. Obviously, I still do lots of health and yeah, stuff, yeah. but I do them more as a kind of a, in a consultancy sort of advisory sort of a opinion based thing rather than clinical practice. Um, so I actually have clawed back a small bit of time in my week, which is keep, great. Keep digging that hole. Yeah, over I know. There. I'm keep rubbish. Digging. Final question of the of the, uh, of, the of, of the day. What's your favorite treat meal? Ooh, meal. This has become like the question on, on uh, the Real Health podcast for every guest that we bring in is getting asked this question. Mine and I've had some would fascinating be answers. <laughs> hot, hot Indian food. Oh, yeah. I love that with a little bit of white wine and maybe some ice cream. White wine and Indian and ice cream. Yeah. That's, that's good. Yeah. Oh, that's up there with the best of them. Hot Indian food, <laughs> I think, is a gift from the many, many Indian Oh, yeah, I like spicy food. Oh, Bring it on. Yeah. Spicy. But the, 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 the funny is that the, the record so far, and if any of our listeners managed to challenge that I set you last week, 
was uh, Orla Walters in last week. I said, what's your treat? She said, it's a bar of milk chocolate. And I said, I bet you make, th- we just talked about the speed at which people eat. And I said, I bet you make that last. She's, yeah, about a week out of a bar of chocolate. I was like, seriously? Who? And I, we said a challenge for our listeners that anyone could make it them last a week. <laughs> um, Oh, that's a nice one. Indi- okay, mm. spicy Indian yeah. l- glass of wine I, and, and ice cream. And I don't particularly go for the the creamy, the kormas or the tikka masalas or whatever. I like tomato based spices, chilies. They're still really oily and fatty, and I know that, so they're not exactly good for you, but they're so delicious. So that to me, with a nice chilled glass of white wine, um, would be very much a treat. And I would think it was delicious, to be honest. That's my man flu cure. Whenever if ever I get man flu, I ring literally ring the the takeaway. Give me the hottest dish with like treble the chilies and a big yeah, tummy yeah. over it. And I sit down and kind of get it into me. Sweat it out <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Kira Kelly, thank you so much for coming into the Real Health Podcast. It's been an honour to have you in, and uh, it's been absolutely fantastic. Thank you so much. Thank you, Carl. Well, folks, that's all we have time for on today's Real Health Podcast. As ever, I'll be back next week with more great guests and advice about healthy living. And in the meantime, remember, if you have any questions whatsoever, it's realhelp at independent.ie, at carlhenrypt on Twitter and Instagram. And remember, you can subscribe on Apple Podcasts and on SoundCloud at any time. Have a great day and thanks for listening. Leia Healthcare. It's good to live. Proud sponsor of The Real Health Podcast with Carl Henry.